Everybody's everybody's on. All yep. right. We're good. We're good. Episode three, baby. Episode three of That Record Got Me High. I'm closer and, uh, to the this will be uh, after this podcast. We will, we're going to be going. We're going to plan it to go live. So this is if you're hearing this, we've been working at this for I don't know what a month. <laughs> I guess a month. Yeah. Yeah. And. So we're going to uh, push them out on the SoundCloud and uh, hopefully get some feedback uh, via yes. the comments section uh, on SoundCloud. And we have an email address now, too. We do. trgmh33 at gmail.com. Why'd you put the 30th? Was that, was that I had to put something else because uh, just uh, trgmh wasn't was already enough. used. Oh, oh, it, oh yeah. You yeah, had to be yeah. more, and then yeah. I said a number, and I said, oh, 33 for a record, 33 and a third, right? Absolutely, so, absolutely. So send us, and you can um, send us whatever, uh, obviously, ideas for future records. Yes. And uh, criticisms are fine because I was, uh, I was thinking no one can criticize us more than our uh, yeah, absolutely. than our friends and family yeah. already do. So. Or ourselves. <laughs> right. Sitting so, and listening to them. So have at it. Can be yeah. uh, an exercise in um, self-understanding. Just like Hunky Dory, which has a lot of that on Hunky Dory. Yes, yes, definitely. So that was, so a, che- that was a cheesy way to get into that. Yeah, but, let's yeah, get into well, it, man. Hunky Dory. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited. And I, I know as soon as I mentioned to you that I want to do that, your eyes lit up. You just went, yeah. Absolutely. I love David Bowie. And uh, this is one of his, I think, his most interesting records because it's stylistically all over the place. Like, after this, it was Ziggy Stardust, and you had a rock and roll star, and you had a rock and roll uh, persona. And in this, he goes from, it's like changes, oddly, the opening track. Yes. Uh, presages what happens after this because every track is totally different musically and sort of stylistically. Now, d- did you come to this uh, early or when did you? Because I actually I came to this record late. I had yeah, already, me too. I owned. Uh, yeah. Ziggy Stardust was a big album for me. Record. Yeah. I love that record. Yeah. I played the shit out of that record. Yeah. And uh, and I had um, Scary Monsters and right. I had Diamond Dogs. Yep. So I didn't listen to this until the um, '80s, like the late '80s. Yeah, probably. I'm. Yeah, I'm probably. I'd probably heard it. Um, I. I heard changes, some songs. Of course. Yeah, right. And I, I started with Heroes, and then Low, and then Lodger. The first, the Eno trilogy. Oh wow! It's kind of the first three I heard. Wow, that's. I was cool. in, <laughs> you know, Quincy Public Library once again, Quincy, Illinois Public thank Library. God. Thank, thank you, God, man. Thanks that's whoever donated those records. Uh, to them and uh, but this record came out in 1971 yeah that's so so we would have been uh, a baby uh, yeah we, we, we were I was in first grade so and he was 20 he was only 24 right that makes me feel inadequate wildly Correct. inadequate <laughs> yeah because there's some lyrical stuff on here that is is it's uh, extremely mature and extremely thoughtful and clever in a very uh, knowing way. Yes, and he, it's ridiculous. But you got to remember he he's not he, he's not a normal person. He wasn't a normal no. person. No. Exceptional person. We can't compare ourselves to David Bowie. <laughs> no. No. Well, you can, but only <laughs> negatively. <laughs> yes, in a bad way. To, you know, make us look terribly bad. Um, all right, cool. So uh, yeah, so both of us I guess came to it later yeah. and uh, just um I didn't realize, like, I knew the song changes, and then, uh, wow, this record is so good. Yeah. And uh, and then in um, researching it a little, I saw that this was the band that became uh, Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust. Stardust. These were right. the Ziggy Stardust players. So you had Mick Ronson. Yep. You had the bass player uh, Trevor Wood, Boulder. Trevor Boulder. Uh, drummer Mick uh, Woodmansey. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Woodman's, Woodmansey. Woodmansey. Or something like, we'll try the... Uh... And on piano, who do we have... <laughs> Who was on piano? Rick Wakeman. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Rick Wakeman is actually he he gets a lot of flack, but he's actually played some really cool things. He did. I know. I saw that he did a lot of stuff with Elton John, which is yeah. unusual because Elton yeah. John's a piano player, obviously. But uh, Rick Wakeman of Yes, which Yes is I, I have no problem with Yes. Nah, yes fine. is very uh, you know pro, very proggy. There they so, are. Uh, but Wakeman but, has a uh, I've got a great story about Rick Wakeman that we'll save for a later episode. Oh, okay, uh, all right, yeah. nice. You and your stories. Oh, uh, <laughs> I collect stories. <laughs> That's awesome. uh, right, but but the Ziggy. Stardust, even though it's those players, it's a it's a 
for the most part, a much more uh, subdued affair than like Man Who Stole the World, which did have make the previous record. Man Who Stole the World is before this. It was the record before this, and it is more rock. Yeah, it, it has is more, more rock heavier rock, and, rock and it's got it's got Ronson on it. But it also had Tony Visconti was the bass player, right? Exactly. Who went on to produce later on. He did, but he didn't produce this one. No, and uh, and but this one sounds great. It and does. Uh, all right, so let's get in. And the first, yeah, this definitely is not. Uh, a heavy guitar record because the no. first two songs hardly even have no. any guitar. But very laid back. Right. So changes. Let's get it right into it. Opens okay. up with changes. Um, it's got that cool uh, opening intro with the uh, piano and yeah. um, this song. I, I, I guess when I when I. Well, it almost it. starts to rock because he plays sort of a dun 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 dun. Oh right, right. You think, yeah, oh, yeah. It's gonna be like a rocking <laughs> thing, and then it just goes settles right back. And down. then settles right back into it. Uh, and the lyrics, I, I remember uh, back when I first heard it, I thought the lyrics were more about uh, like maybe um, someone young going through changes and getting older. But now in in revisiting it and everything I you feel like it's more like him like an ode to his own love of reinventing himself uh, that certainly the first verse is and then um, don't want to be a richer man well um, the uh, that contract he signed with um, who was he with main man that would took care of that he was not going to be a richer man for quite a while uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet um uh, he but the second verse is um, gets into a little bit of a, a metaphysical deal. Um, and these are children that you spit on that. that no, 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 no. Okay. I watch the ripples change their size, but never leave the stream of warm impermanence. Uh-huh. So he is dipping into well Buddhism, and uh, so the days flow through my eyes. He's he's an observer of his own life. Right, going right. past which he does uh, revisit a lot on this record. In, Absolutely, uh, he does. Yes. Uh, that this record is probably the most um, philosophically dense record that he made. It seems like Nietzsche plays a huge role in this. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. He's very. Uh, he mentions the. Superman, yeah, uh, right, that whole Nietzsche right, thing, which right. I, which I'll be totally honest, I don't totally get all that because it's okay. all the, uh, it's fine. It was his, <laughs> it was what he was yeah. into, and then also Aleister Crowley or Crowley, I'm not sure. He says Crowley, uh, um, and Ozzy Osbourne says Crowley, Mr. Crowley. So they do, I'll always go, but I've, I'll bow to I've, I've been corrected at some point when told it was Crowley, <laughs> um, and he uh, he brings up there's some Crowley Crowley references in here as well, so. He was into those things, and he actually continued to be into the, the uh, that stuff for quite a while. Uh, it reappears in some later lyrics, right? Um, so, uh, so yeah. So the but it, it's funny, uh, and when he talks about um, children, these children that you spit on as they try to change their world, it, it's funny when you think of it. You think like he's talking about these children, but he was like a child. He's only twenty four yeah, then, so he's kind of talking. It's kind of autobiographical yeah but he's also putting himself in the place of someone who's wizened and wait he started in pop music in what 68 or 66 he actually been around for David Jones and uh, what was his first band he'd been around oh yeah right the upper third or something like that that the hype was the hype no the hype was this was this actually band before they yeah right they called themselves yeah and he uh, but yeah right he was in it since yeah he's he had been in it for a while he was kind of uh yeah at 24 obviously he had already uh been through a lot and done a lot and uh and released some great stuff i mean uh space oddity was probably like one of the first things i ever heard from him and, and that's still is that's, amazing that's right amazing. yeah and that's what 69 so that's two years before this right so to, to have made that many records um at the age of 24 uh he is you know he does have some experience that uh to to uh to speak from yes so changes a great opener, great yeah, absolutely. opening song, and and probably the the hit off this record, the one you're like you're most liable to hear on the radio is yes, changes. exactly, and it's been used in a lot of things, I'm sure, like movies and things like that. It's definitely yes, it yeah. has. It's a great song. It's a it's a catchy. It's very catchy. Oh, <laughs> you pretty things, track two, um, 
and it starts off. Uh, he's in uh, um, asking someone to uh, uh, help him out. Uh, put another log on the fire for me. He's made. Oh the, right, right, right. He's right, put yes, the yes. made the breakfast and coffee. But then, uh, as was discussed online, a crack in the sky and a hand reaching down to me. That's the ceiling of the uh, Sistine Chapel or, or the Michelangelo's. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Or, the or, hand, or, right, right. Yeah. The hand of God reaching. Yeah, out the to hand him, of God right. reaching yeah, out yeah. to him. Uh, all the nightmares came today, and it looks as though they're here to stay. That's not a good way to wake up. He's got coffee <laughs> and breakfast, and then you know, right? And um, <laughs> now, did, did you read uh, that? Uh, which I had never known this. That uh, it, the song was first released by uh, Peter Noon from Herman's Hermits. <laughs> I did not listen to that version. Uh, I there gotta, is a single version of this song with Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits did before that, and Bowie played a piano on it. And it became a, a like number twelve hit in uh, in uh, in England, and um, which is I mean sh- stuff goes up the charts in England, especially yes. back then. It could be you know number twelve for a week, and the next week is just gone. It's not very good. It's like it's like <laughs> the song without any teeth. And yeah, NME had a great uh, review of it. They called it one of rock and roll's most outstanding. Well, this is after obviously after the fact after Bowie released <laughs> right. it. But they said one of rock and roll's most outstanding examples of a singer failing to achieve any degree of empathy whatsoever yeah. with the mood and right. content of the lyric. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> here they handed in the lyrics and were like. Here, here's the song. He even changed the line. Instead of saying, the earth is a bitch, he said, the earth it is a beast instead oh. of a bitch. So he could go on uh, television and sing it in case he wants a hit on right top of the pops and he wouldn't have to change the word from bitch. To um, yeah, this song really has great lyrics. And also, um, I'm sure you've noticed that uh, Pete, Pete Shelley of the Buzzcocks lifted homo... Yeah, superior. The term "homo superior." Yes. when he did the song "Homo, homo sapien. sapien." Yeah, That's like right. his, his solo right. when he went solo from the Buzzcock. That's "Homo right. sapien," and he did use any. And he definitely, you know, said, "Oh, I got that from Bowie." Of course, Bowie. yeah, it's great. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, we're the, that's just Barry's dog spitting up. Yeah, sorry. The There's going to be some it. interesting fifteen-year-old dog sounds in the. Background. Is he only fifteen? Because he yeah. actually, I was going to guess like twenty. Maybe yeah, uh, Lily's. Uh, uh, she's fifteen, so um, she's a sweetheart. I think about a world to come where the books were found by the golden ones. So again, you get that's Crowley, Golden Dawn. You've got the uh, um, the uh, mystical. Uh, um, the uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. That was right, a, uh, right. And so this, yeah, this is like sort of signaling that the uh, the old guard is coming down and the youth is is. Yeah, but then over. he, you know, then he talks about a, a Nietzsche thing after that immediately. So I might be wrong. He may be talking about something in Nietzsche that I'm not familiar with either. By a puzzled man who questions what we were here for, uh, it could be Crowley, could be Nietzsche, but those two characters figure. Heavily in Hunky Dory, and I was thinking about the album title. But right before you got here, I thought I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't really considered it at all. But Hunky Dory, me neither, actually. Yeah. yeah. So what did you come up with? That's a, if in case that's the sound of a dog taking its last breath. So <laughs> hopefully not its last breath. Well, uh, um, she's okay. She's Hunky just... Dory, and then the album cover um, is he's got the Garbo yes. face. <laughs> So the 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 uh, uh, um, you know ambiguous gender stuff right right and um, it, I, I, that's just uh, um, oh and then I noticed in this um, in the chorus oh you pretty things and there's speculation that he uh, maybe he, he may have said something about it, but there was the British band the pretty things. Oh yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. right. Who may appear on this them. podcast at some point because yes, they've got a couple yes. of really incredible records that we are a little bit them under. With the first episode, uh, yeah, Radiohead definitely. Yeah. Uh, we had heard decided that. that Radiohead had definitely listened <laughs> heard to some parachute. pretty things. Yeah. yeah, some pretty things. Um, and in this chorus, it sounds like it. It the written it says, "Don't you know you're driving your mamas and papas insane?" Um, and the. I think there's another voice that's saying something else. Oh, okay, okay. I think there's two different things being said there, and I'm not sure what the other thing is, but we're going to 
we're going to need to consult maybe somebody from the Southern Baptist Convention because it seems like maybe it could be satanic. Oh. We have a, you know. Well, maybe got, the guy that, there's, find the same guy that told you you were pronouncing Alistair Crowley wrong. Right, right. And then there was a commentary that said Mamas and Papas, he thought, don't you drive, you're driving in Mamas and Papas. He, that he's talking about the band, the Mamas and Papas. <laughs> I don't know that I buy that. Uh, who knows, though? You never They're know. Long very... By 71, Mamas and Papas are just like old news, right? I guess, but he was very, you could tell he's very enamored with um, American uh, music and American things when, in uh, yeah. this record, especially. This and this is another, this is a track where you get the um, full effect of. David Bowie doing his own backing vocals. Yes, he yes, was right, right. Which deep. is all over this record, and and it's great. And that to me is always like hit or can be hit or miss because sometimes yeah. it could just sound too uh, samey samey. But he's so great. At, he's the uh, best background vocalist of all time. He's great because he's all over other. He's all over a transformer with background yes, vocals, yes. and he's great. So why not do it for his own? Yeah, purpose? when he he's when you great. hear them when the uh, uh, there's a art. Uh, episode of one of those how this album was made about Transformer which uh, Mick Ronson produced and Bowie sang background vocals on and they fade out everything except Bowie's background vocals on uh, Satellite of Love oh nice nice yes and it's boom, boom, it's boom. it's chilling. It's 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 frightening. It's good. So great. And you know he's doing it. You know he did it in one take. Right. <laughs> in the room, probably sitting at the board. Probably didn't right. even go yeah, at the right, board. Right. Probably exactly. sat at the board. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do the next one, and it's he. he uh, it's amazing. It's great. Uh, you gotta wait. Make, make way for the Homo Superior. That is uh, Nietzsche. Uh, one oh one. Right. But it was a real snappy tune behind it. So Absolutely, he's, awesome. he's he's bringing it to a mass audience without them even realizing it. He's exactly. exposing people to ideas that uh, they, they're they're uh, you know will percolate in there or not, and you either get you know someone who the light goes off or you get you know Beavis and Butthead. Right. Speaking <laughs> of Beavis and Butthead, we go to. Eight line poem, right? Which is literally an eight line poem. It is. Put some music, and it's awesome. <laughs> it is, and it is. Um, this is the first song that actually has some guitar in it that you could actually right. hear the guitar, and, right. and uh, right. Mick Ronson plays some really good tasty, country, tasty, twangy guitar in it, and uh, right into the board too. It's got the sound of a guitar, a Les Paul plugged right into the board. So good, and it's just the. Uh, a tactful cactus by your window. Yeah. Surveys the prairie in your room. It's just like a really it's a really good poem. I I'm not gonna pretend that I understand what 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 he's saying, what it means. Um, I I could yeah. guess. What do what do you think? What's your take on it? Well, a line poem would be so if you're gonna limit a poem to a certain number of there's a certain esoteric element to that as well, where you would have a, a some sort of uh it would convey something in a very compact form with no fat on it. And like so, a haiku. Like exactly. Haiku, an expanded That's haiku. an expanded haiku. Um, and he, and at the last line is, but the, oh, the last two lines, but the key to the city is in the sun that pins the branches to the sky. And I was, I thought about that and um, I realized that branches point upwards because they are, they're pinned to the sky. They're reaching for right. the... Actually, they're literally reaching for the sun. Right. It's uh, beautiful. And it's a really beautiful poem. Just to read it as a poem. It yeah. really... I'm, I'm not a huge poetry guy, but I could... It's good. Appreciate Yeah, I could appreciate yeah. a good poem. And uh, I'm assuming it's very metaphorical for other things, which... You I know. don't know. That's <laughs> the thing. The mobile spins to its collision. Um, mobiles were... Calder... What it created those? Uh, the artist Calder. Barry's uh, pointing. Where are you pointing? <laughs> the Calder that's on my wall over there. Oh, okay, okay. That's a Calder of the sun and the moon. Oh, okay. and uh, he created mobiles. They're not like a thing that had been around. Oh. And he actually created those, and so people had them. They were much more common in sixties and seventies. People would have mobiles in their home, you know, hanging up that would spin around or whatever. Right. Okay. And uh, he's watching that. So um, that makes sense. But the key to the city is the sun that pins the branches to the sky. Yeah, that's great, great song. And I don't know. It's a song he ever. I don't know that he ever performed it live. 
it seems like one of those things that's just sort of like sits there by itself in the it middle of the record. And it sits there, it seems like to separate the two songs, it's separating uh, Oh, You're Pretty Things, and yeah. then right after Eight Line Poem, uh, you have Life on Mars. That's right. Which is number four song, Life on Mars, which is uh, another great surrealistic yeah. lyrical song that tells a story it's cool because it's like it's telling a story a little bit about this girl and, and her boring life and going to me to this film. is I just to me this is his uh, she's leaving home and it's got the same um, kind of character who's been living with her parents maybe past the age which she would normally live with her right, parents right 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 and um the girl with the mousy hair, uh, and it's sad, and it's so sad because she goes. You think at first like she she's going uh, uh, um, to see a film and hook, so maybe that will be her escape. But no, because the film is a, is a saddening more. <laughs> and I do think that's metaphorical for he. I do think he's talking about life in general, right? Right. Where people right. have these expectations of something's going to be different, and if I just you know. Uh, and, and it turns out it's the same damn film. Right, exactly. And, yeah, I've lived uh, it ten times or more. And and, uh, and she's just yearning. So she's wondering, is there a better life somewhere else? Maybe maybe on Mars. <laughs> maybe there's life yeah. on Mars. Maybe that'd be uh, something more Absolutely. Uh, meaningful out there. Um, she could spit in the eyes of fools. And they as they ask her to focus on, turn, like, pay attention to the movie. Right, right, like, right. He's being snide. <laughs> he's saying, you know, they're going to... You're contemplating all this, this, uh, um, this sort of actuality of how things are, and the cycles that repeat themselves, and the dumb the sailors fighting in the dance hall, right? Uh, Which is the core. This song to me is amazing because it's got a great. Cor- like catchy sing along yeah. chorus, but it's not. A tr- it's like nah. it's very specific. Sailors fighting the dance. I'll look at <laughs> look those, those cavemen go, which apparently comes from somewhere else. Let me see where they're the. The, the look at those cavemen go is a is a um, it's from the song Alley Oop by the Hollywood Argyles. Oh, okay, so, nice, nice. Um, so he's you know yeah, and then, he's uh, not stealing. He, David Bowie, David Bowie would never <laughs> steal anything from anyone. Well, one thing, one thing, I just uh, I will say that I've uh, diving into this more and, and what I've noticed about David Bowie is he's not shy about things that have influenced him. Oh yeah, he like. honestly, he's not. Uh, he's oh, very, right. you yeah, know, yeah. he's very. Well, look who appears Remember later on in this record. You got Bob Dylan and Andy Warhol exactly. appear later on down and the road. And Lou Reed and kind of Lou, uh, Reed, Lou Reed too. Yeah, in a way. absolutely. So yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, we will get to that. Yeah. But now, uh, after Life on Mars, we have the song "Kooks," which is just unashamedly sentimental and sappy. And, and this, and this, I will tell you, this song has a special meaning to me because when I he he wrote it for his newborn son yeah. uh, Zoe yep. Duncan I guess he calls himself Duncan now but it was yeah. Zoe Bowie and when I was listening to this in the late 80 around 87 my wife was uh, pregnant yeah yeah we were in Boston we were living in Boston I was playing in a band we had no money and we knew yeah. we had a baby on the way yeah. and uh, somebody's got to get a job yeah. <laughs> well it's just and it's scary but then when you think uh, when you just think about them and this obviously reminds me of a couple you know just sort of welcoming a, and and I just love the imagery of their they're telling him if you stay with us, yeah. you know, like he has a choice. Right. <laughs> like if yeah, you stay yeah. with us, yeah. you'll have you know. Uh, you and uh, I. You're going to be kooky too. I love that part where he says, uh, "I'm going to give you a, a a book of rules on what to say when people pick on you because if you stay with us, you're <laughs> you're going to definitely get yeah. picked on." <laughs> but, and, and the irony of this is that he's uh, the the woman the the the. The other person that's not discussed in this is Angie. Angie, Angie Bowie, that's right. Who he later on described as like living with a chainsaw, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, she was so, a wild one. Yeah. And um, so <laughs> despite the the soft glow of the lyrics, you know, David was a hard-charging, hard-partying. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But this is like a really sweet song, and it's yeah. funny. I love when he... Uh, he Rob, doesn't, Rob doesn't want me to, like, doesn't want me to dig into the, like, you know... No! <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. This song's it so is a beautiful song. It is, I, I agree. And it is 
heartfelt he's writing it for his child. And you, and I know you because you also had you guys had yeah. uh, had a kid young, and you you know what it's like to be like to be poor and yeah. have a baby, but then yeah. you sort of have this little family, your own little kooky right. weird family. That's and right. uh, I think he captured that really good with this. He song. did. And um, one other thing, I just did you know there's a little trumpet in there, and that's the uh, bass player uh, Trevor Boulder is oh, playing the, the trumpet. Plays the trumpet in this song. Yeah, and the I actually noticed that when I listened to song. it, and it's um, it's it's a little it's silly, and it's, it's silly. Yeah. And he mentions it in the song. That's one of the things they like bought the uh, little boy coming a trumpet. Yes. can blow. And yeah. uh, and there's a little trumpet in the song, and it's yeah, it is silly, but it's really uh, it's very uh, it's. Unashamedly sentimental. It is. It definitely is. And, and which then, I, <laughs> which I don't know if he does later on. I think things get. Uh, I think the unabashed sentimentality, like uh, like that, right, does not reappear. Um, it maybe again. This was really uh, unique in his uh, in his catalog. Yes, I I agree definitely. Yeah, this is a, a unique uh, song that sort of stands apart and it's different than everything else on the record pretty much it is and then if we go into from this song into probably the most depressingly yeah. dark song yep <laughs> absolutely well quicksand what quicksand. happens to quicksand you drown yes <laughs> um, and C- Crowley immediately closer to the golden dawn immersed in Crowley's uniform of imagery living and he brings up Himmler which is yes, right. <laughs> and I, I we might as well mention that Bowie is known. He did have a, a fascination with the uh, um, the mystical side of Nazism, at yeah. least early on in his career, right. which is a painful thing to it is it to is, contemplate. Hemmler uh, was a fucking chicken farmer, and let's just not forget that any right, right, right. <laughs> so any the the but it was the early seventies things, and I. I don't think we had they there there wasn't the same perception that we have now of that era of of uh, uh, the Nazis and uh, it was a little um, less reviled. I don't know. I guess I mean later on a little bit later on a lot of uh, punk bands adopted some things. Of course they did, but that was you know they. But by then it was getting. It was people, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was starting yeah, to piss people off. It was, yeah. <laughs> and even here, um, I don't know if he's talking about something that's actual or, or if he's just making that a Himmler's sacred realm of dream, dream reality. Um, frightened by the total gold drawing to the ragged hole. Um, yeah, this song is really, it's dense and there's a lot of, uh, it, 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 it's really dense and uh, the lyrics to me, it, it, it's it's kind of hard to make heads or tail of a of right. a lot of the lyrics well, I, I, can, I can shed some light I think on those two lines frightened by the total gold drawing to the ragged hole um, in, in a lot of these um, ideologies or, or even mystical uh, studies the ideal um, conclusion is that you are absorbed into the in basically you your individuality is totally subsumed by that of the universal being, or the or the creator, or right, the right, the right. the unibeing, just and you your actual individuality is extinguished. So, uh, but he, I ain't got the power anymore. It, Nietzsche again, the the will to power, the Superman. The uh, he's he's his, but his battery's dead. You know, he doesn't. Right. He can't get there. And and the chorus, it's got probably one of the bleakest chorus. It's mm-hmm. like. Don't believe in yourself is the first line well, of the chorus, and it's like the opposite of the journey of "Don't stop believing." Don't, don't yeah, stop but believing. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna say that that's not exactly what he's what he's getting at. Don't believe in yourself. Don't deceive with belief. Knowledge comes with death's release, which sounds bleak. But, but, but it also it maybe sounds like uh, don't worry about it now don't worry about anything because you'll get it uh, when yeah, you die right. when you finally pass yeah, then you'll that. get knowledge and everything yeah so, but don't yeah. believe in yourself he's talk- I think he's talking about don't um, literally the referencing that other piece of uh, of mystical trivia about being absorbed by the creator don't believe in yourself there's a there's one way of phrasing that goes. It's not that um, God doesn't exist. It's that we don't. 
And so... Right, right. So and, and, don't believe in yourself as saying, don't believe that you actually are separate. Yeah, uh, and separate. don't get into the cult of yourself and everything, which is, right. I think, very, yeah, yeah, very sure. close to Bowie, how Bowie was, because he's we, we had talked about this uh, last time, about how someone like... Lou Reed was just probably like a, a kind of a miserable guy in a lot, oh, of, yeah. a lot of ways and everything. Yeah, yeah. Bowie didn't seem like that. He seemed like no. a very a very joyous uh, joyous guy, and he seemed like a uh, he had a really good sense of humor. I mean, I'm he sure did. Lou Reed had a good sense of humor. But sure. but David propped himself up with uh, uh, just a lot of drugs. Well, yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> and one particular drug uh, is he was known for, which makes you. you know, you get kind of skinny. You do oh, a lot right, right, of, right, yeah. right, yeah. And uh, so... It was the time, though. It was the it time. Was the 70s. Come on. What, yeah. He, well, he did... Find me a rock star that wasn't he, doing drugs in the 70s. There was a, there's a, 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 a Bowie anecdote. Um, it's not an anecdote. He was interviewed about the album. A few albums down the road. Uh, another great record of his, Station to Station. He says, uh, yeah, I, had, I was doing so much coke. I don't remember... Writing it or recording it, and I don't know what any of the lyrics are about. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And it's it's one of his greatest records. <laughs> yeah, so, I remember you, you saying that's you how really great, like that. That's record, how right? how great is that? Yeah, um, great he, he has is, no idea. He can do that. All right, so uh, quicksand, kind of a downer, bleak song, and then that's the end. If we're, we're talking sides records, that's the end of the side one. Right, and then so how does he start side two? Oh yeah, with yeah. a cover with "Fill Your Heart," which is a song about. Escaping uh, the existential morass and just filling your heart with love, and it was written by a guy named Biff Rose, who I wasn't that um, no, familiar with, but he was a comedian and songwriter. And Biff Rose and Paul Williams, which I know you know who Paul oh, Williams yeah. is. Yeah, uh, the tall guy, <laughs> <laughs> little Paul Williams. Which, by the way, there's a. Uh, a documentary that came out a couple years ago on Paul Williams, like saying a guy was wondering if he was still alive. Oh yeah, and then he found he oh, did. I think and it's I, actually yeah. it's really good. It's called Paul Williams is still yeah. alive. I think. And, yeah. Uh, it, so before we get into yeah. this song anymore, should we? Since we're on side two, should we uh, take a break for our sponsors? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Because <laughs> we're, we're going after this, we're going live, so we will obviously have to. Are back. back. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, big we checks. Really just, the big checks are rolling in. We really just get more drinks when we uh, take breaks. Man, <laughs> come on. We refill our glasses. All right. Fill your heart. Song written by Biff Rose and Paul Williams. And I feel like he he wanted to do a a fun, lighthearted song after Quicksand, but he didn't want. This song is so trite. Like he didn't. He probably didn't want to write one. So he said, yeah. well, I'll just cover this." Yeah. And did you ever hear the Tiny Tim? You know this song was also Ooh, covered by Tiny Tim? I did not. Like, where would he have heard this? Would well, it was, the present- B-side, it was the B-side to uh, Tiptoe Through the Tulips. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> did not know that. You're, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I like Tiny Tim, but I would not have thought of Bowie covering uh, a, t- a song right. that Tiny Tim also found. He did. Bowie does some... True. I'm using covers. He did True. that whole uh, pinups record, and yeah. he's, uh, he's a fan. Well, and not one of. And unfortunately, pinups not one of his more highly rated records. No, uh, yeah, I know that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, he did um, on Station to Station. He co- he does a cover of a, a, a Wild as the Wind, uh, which is um, Nina Simone song, and oh, he okay. actually does I a pretty great. Yeah, he does a pretty great version with uh, of that. Um, so, but this is. Uh, yeah, um, love cleans the mind and makes it free. Gentleness clears the soul. So I think he's yeah. Maybe he wasn't capable at the time of writing anything this cheerful, and he needed uh, something. Fear is only in your head. Fear's just in your head. And, so and forget singing, your head. And he's singing a little uh, a tongue in cheek too when he does. Yeah, so free. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, he's yeah. doing a little tongue in cheek. Yeah, right. Um, so maybe he's not convinced. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's still the guy in the quicksand. Really, yeah, absolutely. You don't get from the quicksand song. to uh, to fill your heart uh, in one right. easy uh, move. Just and, you uh, flip a record over. No. Uh, and then we go into song eight, uh, second song on the second side, which is Andy Warhol. A fantastic, 
yep. song. Such a good song. And With the weird intro. It's got the... I love it. I love the studio. It's You hear these electronic sounds, and then you hear them in the studio with their acoustics. Andy. Yeah, yeah. Warhol. And I, I guess the producer wasn't... He didn't like how he was pronouncing his name, Warhol. so he's correcting him. Warhol. Warhol. And then, there, and then there's some silence, and he's like, are we rolling? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 and they all start yeah, yeah. cracking up, and then they go, that is, that is gold. I love that. It that's is. Just, uh, um, that's, that's, that's studio gold. And then, to, which is, and the funny thing about the switch from the other, some of the other songs in this record, is that Andy Warhol is probably the least spiritual, the least metaphysical. Oh, right, right, right. Absolutely yeah, yeah. pure material, pure materialism. Right, right. And, I mean, I don't know if, if Warhol was introspective, but he certainly wasn't interested in... The Alistair Crowley or Friedrich Nietzsche or the Golden Dawn. No, no, you couldn't imagine him like so, getting into conversations about any of that. Um, no. Take a cement fix. So that's you, know, you can you know Andy. A lot of times you see him with that frozen expression, <laughs> right, right? Just sort of taking it all in. Be a standing cinema, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then Andy was always making other people do stuff or getting them to do things. He wasn't right. making them. Right. They were doing it for Andy's. Uh, Enjoyment, um, but I feel like this is kind of you could tell he's affectionate towards Andy Warhol. It, absolutely, not, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no. Know, I think that he, he, it's obvious that he um, felt like that this was Andy was a a, a genuine mover and a shaker and yeah. changed things. And it's just a, it's a really cool song, and I love the uh, guitar figure, the little uh, yeah. little guitar riffs, and the, the strumming acoustic. There's a lot of really good acoustic and guitar on this whole record. Like there the strumming is, acoustics, and there's a weird percussive great. something in this song. That's something hitting something that's not a drum. Oh right, right, right. It's a slapping, like a somebody yeah. slapping something on a chair. Right. Or it's got that sound. Kind of uh, a Velvet Undergroundish, the way it's uh, like yeah, uh, a percussive sure. thing, but not an for actual sure. drum. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And oh right, Mo Tucker, you know, right. Yeah. That you know, very primitive. Uh, could be, could be. Uh, uh, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Andy walking, Andy tired, Andy take a little snooze. Um, just. The way that Warhol was kind of just did appeared to just do what he wanted to do, and but in fact um, behind it there was after he died you know uh, Lou Reed and John Cale managed to put aside their um, acrimony to make an album about oh the songs for songs Drella. Drella yeah that's right, right. and uh, um, he, they. The Drella is a combination of Dracula and Cinderella. And, <laughs> oh, <right>. Nice. <laughs> That's great. And so, but there's a song in there called Work, where Lou Reed talks about Andy being have an obsessive work ethic and working from the time he gets up in the morning. It's all work. Even right. if you see him out at a club, he's working. He's right, doing something. Right. So, uh, um, and he'll think about paint and he'll think about glue. What a jolly, boring thing to do. And that's, yeah, that's another feature of some of Warhol's things is they're, they're intentionally boring. Right, right. Well, those movies, he's got a movie of the Empire State Building. It's just a and, and, you, and you're just, uh, speaking of koans, remember we had the koan. Some of Andy's stuff is like a koan. It's like, you're, what, are you, what are you supposed to do with it? What am I supposed to do with this? Right, and, right, right. And right. your uncertainty is, is the answer. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the uncomfortable tell, uh, silence. Yeah, you can tell Bowie probably really appreciated that. He, uh, he, he definitely uh, appreciated that. And yeah, and the silver screen, Warhol's uh, uh, at the factory decorated with um, silver and, um, you know, uh, the guy, love him or hate him, he had a huge, huge influence on uh, pop culture and Western society. Right, right, right. And, all right, so this was definitely a, an, uh, a, a tribute to Andy Warhol and homage. Absolutely. Now, the next song, Song for Bob Dylan, I don't know. I, I remember originally this was like my least favorite song on the record. It is my least favorite song right? on the record. Right, I, but I, I sort of appreciate it a little more because at first I thought it was more just an homage like a song for Bob Dylan. And I yeah. didn't realize the... That it's a kind of a parody also of Bob yeah. Dylan, and I didn't even realize till I read about it that Bob Dylan has a song called a "Song for Woody." Oh yeah, that's about uh, yeah. Woody, Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie, right? 
And uh, and it's kind of and um, so he has some cool lines in this. I like when he says with a voice like Sammy, Sammy Glue. Yeah, right. That's totally Dylan. But I don't know. It just seems strange that he's singing the song. But this this again. This is Bowie not being afraid to bring up his uh, contemporaries. Well, know? I think at the time, I'm not sure what time Dylan had just put out a really awful album called Self Portrait that's universally. Listed as like the worst album in his catalog, even today. Oh, really? Like even lower than the Christmas album. Oh, okay. Um, and so, self portrait is just supposed to be just total, totally terrible. What's? Oh, are there any songs on that I would know? I, you know, I, I should have listened to it, but I haven't. I stick with the stuff that's like, ah, this is gold. And uh, the 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 uh, um, the ones where he's. Not on his game, I just... Right, because I feel like, in a way, this is sort of like a parody of that, in a way, because I know Dylan, as great as Dylan is, and yeah. as great a lyricist, he does have sung... I'll never forget, I know there's a song, I don't know what album it's on, it's um, about Lenny Bruce, I guess it's called Lenny Bruce, Yeah. but he's got a line in there, but he sure was funny, and he sure uh, told the truth. <laughs> And it's like that's yeah. the, this. This reminds me of that. We're just like singing yeah. about someone else and just sort of telling you know <laughs> how he is. And it's like okay, <laughs> yeah. A um, couple of songs from your old scrapbooks that could send her home again. Just now the. Here she comes, here she comes, here she comes again. The same old painted lady from the brow right, now, of the Right, what is that? Rain. Because the, the chorus of the song sort of goes in a different direction. And the chorus yeah. is cool, but I have no idea that, what Well, he's... some of the, one of the comments that I looked at said the brow of a super brain is Dylan. So, um, but it, you know, his brow, you can see him sort of that kind of furrowed brow of, of Dylan. His, that intense look that he has. Right. Um... And the brow of the super, and she'll scratch this world to pieces as she comes on like a friend. Um, I guess maybe he's talking about some of Dylan's, the women in Dylan's songs. Right, right, yeah. Which Probably. I always assumed. Were, At yeah. first, I was wondering if he was like calling Dylan. Here she comes, like no, it's Dylan. But yeah, no, 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 no. I think you're right. He's talking about, about a woman. And uh, uh, um, <laughs> Joan Baez. I mean, I, you know, she she appears. She's the muse in in, in uh, some of those. Some of the material that would have been at that time that he would have been responding to. But. Right. I've never seen anything written. I've never heard anything. But I can imagine that Dylan, in hearing this, didn't like this. <laughs> I wouldn't like think it. so. I would think yeah. he wouldn't like it. But here's the thing. I think that people who've been around Dylan, was they, they, you would have no idea wh whether he was going to like it or not. Right. Yeah, or whether yeah, he would true. tell you the truth about whether he liked it or not. <laughs> right, or whether. Right, right. He's a very enigmatic character, far more enigmatic than David Bowie. Yes, right, that's true. <laughs> but I, I give I give David Bowie props for just because it is kind of brave in a way to just do a song like that, throw a song like that on this record. Sure. But it is, I will still say, it's probably me my least favorite song of a record where I love just about every song. Yeah, on the yeah. Record, so. um, you know, uh, you gave your heart to every bedsit room. He had already been. You know, he was Dylan was this mythological figure he still is but at yes, the time definitely. his he was even you know he was it was unquestionable that you know he was uh, an icon of the 20th century in the same right. category as any famous artist that you name or right, any right. um and, he, and i like how he brings up the duality like robert zimmerman he mentions his real name robert right. zimmerman have you met you know have yeah, you yeah. this other this dylan bloke <laughs> Yeah, you know how he became Bob Dylan? I do not know, no. Okay, it's in that documentary, No Direction Home. He says his parents, he, he opened this this closet up and they had a Victrola in there. And uh, there was a, a record on it. And he, so he pulled the Victrola up and cranked it up and cranked it up and put the, the needle on. And the song was this um, gospel song called Drifting Too Far From Shore. And he said, "In the from the when the needle dropped to when the record ended, that that seventy eight record, yeah. he became that he was a changed person." Oh, okay, that changed. <laughs> that like the voices and the sound of it just entered him in a way, and that was it. Well, you know, it was like it was this, a watershed. This nerdy Jewish kid anymore? No, he wasn't. <laughs> you know, he was like, "Oh, okay, right, right, I'm out of here, right." So he was Bob Dylan. <laughs> well, All right. Man. And now we go into Queen Bitch, which is, I guess this is like the, the trio 
of songs where he's sort of paying tribute to other people because yeah. and you have Andy Warhol, then you have a song for Bob Dylan, and Queen Bitch is pretty much uh, understood that it's a tribute to the Velvet Underground and right. Lou Reed. Right. Um, and it does, and definitely Queen Bitch also sounds like a song that could definitely be on the next record. Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely Queen Bitch could be. In fact, when, when it, when I, whenever I play Hunky Door and it comes on, a lot of times I'll think, wasn't that one? I that's forgot, right? I, yeah. did, I did the exact yeah. same thing it's too, because I confused Ziggy that. There's, another, there's a song on Ziggy Stardust that I confused with this. Um, this, is, this is a template for the Spiders from Mars. Yes, and this, it's got that fuzzed out guitar, uh, yep. that great guitar that you hear a lot yeah. on uh, Spiders from Mars. Yep. And um, props to uh, the great Mick Ronson, who the older I get, the more I appreciate as being in the same league as... Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page. Oh, and I know. Eric right. So good. He's he's just so good, and he brings. And also, we didn't mention, but a lot of these songs with the strings, those are all those him. Are, the arranging, arranging the strings. He did all the string arrangements. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Rick Wakeman. So you have Rick Wakeman playing piano. Uh, Bowie played some piano on this too, but Rick Wakeman played a lot. And then you got uh, Mick Ronson, Mick Ronson with all those who was awesome an, strings. The uh, um, unsung. Um, electric guitar genius. Yeah, no, he's not unsung, but he doesn't get the same. Level of respect is those other guys, and he really is equally no, unique. Super talented. As soon as he like, plays, he plays one one note. You're like, oh, that's yeah, it's Mick Ronson right there. Uh, so I yeah. have, I have a personal thing in Queen Queen Bitch that I don't know if you may have noticed this. But, uh, I always uh, there's a killer song called Mr. Brightside. That's a good song. It's, it okay. was on their first Killers album. It's called Mr. Brightside. But it whenever I hear that song, I think of Queen Bitch, and I think. I think he they sort of do it on purpose because there's especially uh, a lot of the way the lyrics go, but there's one line in um, uh, Queen Bitch where he goes, and I'm uh, phoning a, a cab. Something about it, and I'm phoning a cab, and they say that in uh, this Mr. Brightside, he says, and she's calling a cab, but they say it the same way too, yeah, and they yeah, say yeah. a bunch of other lyrics that sound very, and she's leading him on, and yeah, she's yeah, laying yeah, him right yeah. down, right. so They're it's very, bitch, yeah. so I think that's definitely an homage to uh, this song, Queen Bitch. Or an too. homage, or, well, would they, maybe they just, they stole it and didn't realize it. We've all, which are <laughs> things that we've all done. Right, right. Um, but that, yeah, but I, I have a feeling that guy would have a Brandon Flowers, I'm sure he was a big uh, Bowie fan. <laughs> Bowie fan, so, sure. Yeah. I don't think he would. Uh, uh, um, and then there's he's. Uh, uh, it's all very seedy uh, New York. Yes, um, right, right. Which is the whole yeah Velvet Underground, Louis. It, it almost uh, the the guitar. What is it? What is it? What uh, Velvet Underground song is it? Sort of. Uh, I'll have to look, go back and listen. Is it? And white light, white heat. Maybe? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's probably okay. not a specific. It's not a specific. It's just got the feel. Song. It's, it's got, got some of the feel. Uh, uh, definitely a Velvet Underground vibe. And I guess he, uh, I guess Bowie was a big fan. And I guess when he was younger, he had heard the uh, Velvet Underground, the Andy Warhol. Uh, yeah, of course. And, Echo, and it was yeah. a big influence on him. Yeah, really of course. Appreciate that. So again, he's he's not afraid to show his influences no. and uh, pay tribute to them, which is cool. Which well, is there's not, that there's that photo from. Uh, I don't know. It's got to be a couple of years, maybe a couple of years after this, of of Bowie and uh, Iggy and Lou, and Lou and Bowie are flanking Iggy and holding him up, and Iggy looks like <laughs> yes, he's totally love it. plastered. And you would never look at that picture and go, "Oh, he's going to be the guy that's still alive, right?" right? Yeah, no, he's going <laughs> to. You would think, right. "Oh, he's going to be first to go." Nope. Damn it, you're right. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Um. So. <laughs> Um, my heart's in the basement. My weekend's in at all time low because she's hoping to score. So I can't. So I can't see her letting him go. Walk out of her heart. Walk out of her mind. Oh, she's so swishy in her satin and tat, in her frock coat, in her bippity boppity boppity <laughs> hat. Oh, odd. I could do the better than that. Um, yeah, definitely a, a velvet's. Uh, oh, and, and her name also is. Sister Flo, Flo which Sister uh, Flo. totally sounds like a, is a character. It, it, is it, a, uh, yeah, for sure. It could be a character in a yes, indeed. Sister Flo. So yeah, he's his uh, his velvets um, his velvets homage, and we go to the final song, the Boule Brothers. My favorite song on the album. In fact, one of my favorite Bowie songs. Really? Yeah. It, it is. It's a great song, and it's and it's funny. Now I never. I I'd always love this song. It's the last song on the record, and it is a great song, but I never. Dove into lyrics at all. Yeah. 
And I always assumed it's about these brothers, maybe, or Boulay, it's about something. And then reading it, you realize it's not, it, it, I don't even know what it's about. Yeah. But it's very, the lyrics are just yeah. like, I mean, the whole song gets very, uh, has a very haunting quality to it. And it's it very does. abstract. It's, to me, it reads like a, a Dickens sort of scene in a, you know, uh, uh, late 19th century uh and some of the some of the um some of the words seem to harken back to an older era right right and the goodman tomorrow had their feet in the wallow and their heads of brawn were nicely shorn uh <laughs> and how they bought their positions with saccharin and trust um yeah, this song stands apart in his catalog. Oh, Sacrin, that, that is a line in there, because there's a band called uh, Sacrin Sacrin Trust, Trust. A great L.A. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Sort of hardcore mixed with poetry. And, uh, and so this tells the story of two characters, you know, that are... Um, it's like ruffians. They, they come right, across right. as like... Or maybe, you know, if you know of... I'm going to be really esoteric, not esoteric, but the Three Penny Opera, the Kurt Vile, the, uh, um, the, the, um, from, uh, uh, the song Mac the Knife, uh, um, the, the, the main character of the Three Penny Opera is this, is this, uh, street, uh, thief. Right. And also, uh, he's a bad guy. He's a killer. Right. And right. he, it's got that feel of maybe Kurt, uh, uh, maybe Kurt Vile, uh, uh, um, uh, the 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 German Kurt Vile. We're talking about nineteen thirties. <laughs> right. Not the uh, who's good as well, not but yeah. nothing wrong with Kurt Vile. But um, uh, the Bewley Brothers in our wings that bark, flashing teeth of brass. Standing tall in the dark. I mean, it's a fairly... You get a picture of these uh, characters in dark alleyways and maybe in places, you know, that are not lit by electric lights. Right, You right, know? Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely has uh, a... Uh, ha, um, now, my brother lays upon the rocks. He could be dead. He could be not. He could be you. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and Hank, and now we, we were so turned on by your lack of conclusions... Which is great. He's um, dealing. He's talking about people that are are just characters who are interesting characters, right, and they're right, not right. they're not introspective. They're just these interesting characters who are who they are. Right, right, uh, right. Uh, and he did. And uh, this is it's the last song on the record, and it's also one of the last songs he wrote for the record. Right. He wrote it. He sort of wrote it and put it together and finished it up uh, by the end of the record. And um, but there, there is a great quote that I read by him uh, that he supposedly he told uh, um, a producer Ken Scott that it was a track for the American market specifically because and this is the quote from Bowie: "The Americans always like to read things into things." <laughs> <laughs> Even though the lyrics make absolutely oh. no sense, <laughs> yeah. So, but that could have just been Bowie having a little because he did have piss. a really good taking the piss. I think so because he was he did the have song a really good does, sense of humor. I'm you sure that's but not you true. could not you couldn't fake if you could fake this kind of um, apparent concern for two fictional characters that you've come up with right that right, I, right. hats off to you because it does um but that's it, great because we are at the end of the day we are two americans that like to fell for it into right things. absolutely hook line and sinker this is yeah one of my favorite bowie songs i could listen to it right now and be just as beguiled as the, i was the first time i heard it yes uh, yes and it's got that great uh, the end part the whole end part when he goes into the lady Oh, uh, it sounds it, it, like it, a like a beer hall. It does. Uh, it does. It's got a feel. It's like it's old, right? Yeah. Which I always I I wonder too is is he singing like an old uh, English folk thing? But no, it is yeah, all. It's, it's, just, it's his song, but it sounds like something that maybe they sang. I'm starving in the for the gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, please, uh, please. What's the exact? Um, I'm gonna get to the. Then I'm gonna screw it up. Um, where he's uh, 
Yeah. Come on, Barry. Kings of Oblivion. Okay. Um, there's uh, Kings of Oblivion. Uh, the year after this came out, the uh, band called the Pink Fairies made an album called Kings of Oblivion, which is uh, an, an unsung rock and roll classic. Okay. That, uh, I've heard the, the Pink Fairies. I know yeah, I have yeah. some Pink Fairies uh, on and, my And uh, very uh, uh, influential punk, uh, on punk rock. But, yes, um, yes. Lay me place and bake me pie. I'm starving for me gravy. Leave my shoes and door unlocked. I might just slip away. And um, just for the day. So he adds to that mystery with, you know, you've got this, this character that's going to just going to sleep, get head out, you know, head out in the, in the early dawn hours and just kind of uh, disappear. Please come away. Right. Hey. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> It's a great song. It's it a great, great way to close the record because it, it ends with this, like, uh, cinematic. Yes. It's yes. a cinematic tune, and it's um, uh, uh, whether he faked it or not, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I don't think he did. I'm gonna say I don't no, think he, he did either. I think there's something there. And it also reminds me, there's another song in his catalog that it... Links up with in 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 some way, uh, uh, um, and uh, it's off Scary Monsters. Um, um, oh, David, what shall I do? They wait for me in the hall. Um, which what's the song I'm thinking I of? I was just I was listening uh, to Scary Monsters. Uh, it's the longest song ever recorded, and it's uh, purported to be about um, Gary Newman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm too lazy to look at it. It's not Scream Like a Baby. It's not... uh, We'll just edit this out. We'll get to it. Um, So what is We won't. He always says that, but he won't. Yeah. um, uh, um, It's not because you're young. It's not It's No Game. It's not uh, uh, Up the Hill Backwards. It's not... um, Come on, Barry. If only you had some device you could look it up at. Yeah, he's sitting right. He's literally it. sitting in front of his I'm laptop. Gonna, I'm going to use the excuse that um, <laughs> I took an antihistamine this morning. Oh, and he's and, been pounding these. Uh, well, the vodka doesn't doesn't <laughs> help either. But no. my 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 memory goes to shit when I take antihistamines, and that's not. I'm not kidding, and it's kind of scary. No, I believe you. Uh, but I would rather have that than be feel like my my skin is going to crawl away from my body during the day. Yeah, that doesn't. Sound um, Teenage Wildlife. Oh, okay, okay. Six minutes and fifty six seconds. So, Teenage Wildlife is another song where there's characters in there, and they're um, they're interesting characters, and one of them, well, one of them is actually talking directly to to Bowie, and it, it's been claimed that he's it's Gary Newman. Who had had a hit with cars. David, what shall I do? They wait for me in the hall. And David says, you know, I don't, I don't know anything. Something like, I don't know anything about hallways. But, <laughs> he's sort of dismissive of, of this character. Right, right. But it's got the same mystery where, oh, you want to know more about that story. Like the Beauty Brothers, you want to know, right. oh, who they were. Yeah, no, absolutely. And absolutely. so he leaves enough gaps in there. Um, uh and sadly, we'll never know because David is no longer with us. And that's to me. I well, if we sad. researched it, we may. I mean, there might be. There might. He might have come out and said, oh, "I'll tell you." That's not tell you what that song's about. Who knows about. if it's true? He says a lot of stuff. Who knows? If it's true. true. And it's people's true. perceptions change over time about what they actually were talking about when they wrote things. Exactly. The well, original look inspiration. At station, to station. He doesn't remember what he doesn't remember. Right. He says he doesn't remember what he was talking right, about. Right. So, um, and there's actually a version of um, Quicksand, which is. Again, I hate to say this, one of my absolutely my favorite Bowie tracks, and it's the there's an acoustic demo that's on the. You sent that to me, but is that officially on something? It's on the Ryko the the Ryko disc CDs, which came out in the nineties, early nineties. Maybe they, maybe they were the second time his CDs had come out. His stuff had come out on CD, oh, and okay. the Ryko disc ones had some had bonus tracks. Every album had bonus tracks, and some of the bonus tracks you're like, eh. And um, some of them were like sort of scraping the bottom of the bar- barrel. Um, it was like a John, I'm only dancing. Uh, seventy four or seventy six was really awful. Um, <laughs> but then there's this on Hunky Dory. There was this acoustic 
demo of the song Quicksand, which you can find on your favorite video streaming site. Um, and yeah, it is. It's really, it's really stripped down and uh, it's really intense. Really good, it's yeah. really, it's he's playing twelve string and it's he's singing, and his voice. Is it's very moving? Yes, yes. It has a, it has even more uh, a gravitas or something. It to does. It. In fact, when you when you after you get used to listening to that one, when you hear Quicksand on the record, you're kind of like he kind of dumbed down Quicksand on the record <laughs> and made it not quite as intense right, as right, that right. as that demo is. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, um, all right, so we did it. That's hunky dory, people. That's, and next uh, week we uh, t- we talked out in the hall uh, about what was going to be. Next week's album is uh, I forgot already. <laughs> wow, a classic, totally one of the forgot. greatest, one of the great unsung rock and roll classic albums. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Days of Wine and Roses. The Days of Wine and Roses by the Dream Syndicate, Dream Syndicate. which kind of appeared out of nowhere in, in 1983, and and it's the uh, as if uh, some. That old. God, so old. Yeah, man. We are, and it appeared. And uh, the first time I heard it, it was like some kids in LA had gotten a hold of White Light, White Heat, and like, okay, let's let's re- let's redo White Light, White Heat, or let's do because it's got an, an unhinged glory to it that they actually tamped down after that that album. Yeah. Um, a, a guitar, out of control feedback guitar and songs about uh, desperate characters living desperate lives. Alright, so we'll see you next time. And uh, look for our um, podcast on SoundCloud. And uh, we'll be publishing it on iTunes and all your favorite uh, podcast sites. Yes, don't forget you can reach us at trgmh33 at gmail. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. We're out. Good night. We got to introduce ourselves at the beginning. Damn, we're we're right at we're right at an hour. Did we do it again?